Amen. Hey, you guys look great today, by the way. Uh, there was a day when I could look through the audience of the, the congregation here and I could see uh, maybe three people, you know, when it was uh, at the early stages last year of uh, COVID. So it's good to see you all in the Lord's house today. Amen. So good to have you all uh, here with us. Hey, thank you to those who came out yesterday and helped to put down mulch and spread mulch. We're so grateful. It looks great out there. And so thanks for all who did that. Hey, we're looking at this year running the race uh, as disciples. And as, a, as we run this race of disciples, sometimes there are difficult days, as we, as we know from uh, this past year, the pandemic. We still deal with some of those issues even now. And so we come to this part of running the race, and we're looking at the life of Joseph in the book of Genesis, uh, the rocky road of reality. And today, specifically, we're looking at Potiphar's place. Now, you know, when you say that Potiphar's place, that, that, that sounds like a pretty neat place to go to. It almost sounds like a coffee shop, Potiphar's place. Bet you get some really good dark roast at Potiphar's place. Or, or maybe it would be an antique, antique shop or a little a restaurant that you would go to. Just Potiphar's place. It sounds like a nice spot. But for Joseph, Potiphar's place was anything but that. It is not where he wanted to be. Potiphar, in Potiphar's place, Joseph was alone, deserted. Uh, by family and friends. It's not what he thought life would be like. Uh, it was a place where he felt displaced, maybe even stuck. I wonder if you've ever been in a place like that. Maybe you didn't call it Potiphar's place, but maybe it's a place just like that where you felt deserted and alone, even stuck. It's not where you want to be or what you thought you would be at at this point in life, but nevertheless, here you are. Maybe it's a job, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a life situation. But something doesn't feel right. And so let's look at Joseph here and let's figure out what is going on in his life and how the Lord is with him and learn some lessons that can be applied to our lives today as disciples of Jesus Christ. Y'all up for that this morning? Amen. So we're going to look at Genesis chapter 39, verses 1 through 23, the whole chapter. And uh, we're going to stand in honor and reverence to the Word of God, if you're able and to join me in the reading of the Word of God, so as I read for you now. The Bible says this, Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of the, his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight, attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had from the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. And so he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. He's put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And so as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. But one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house were there in the house, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and he fled and he got out of the house. 
And as soon as she saw that he left his garment in her hand and he had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he's brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out, he lifted his garment beside, left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. And then she laid up his garment by her until his master came home. And she told him the same story, saying that the Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came into me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. As soon as his master heard the words of his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servants treated me. His anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisons were confined. And he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the reading of your word. Lord, you divinely orchestrate what we need to hear when we need to hear it. And there's no doubt in my mind, Lord, that there are people in this room today and who will be watching us online who are in a place that they would consider to be a Potiphar's place. Not thinking that life is fair, feeling so much displaced and deserted and alone, maybe in places they didn't think they would be. But Father, we pray that you take this message about Joseph and help us to see your hand and your grace and your love for us. And may we walk away from here encouraged and know that you are our God and that through you and in you and by you that there is hope. So Lord, I pray now that you'd be of those of us who are your people, but also, Father, for those who do not know you as Lord and Savior, that this would be the hour of salvation people would give their heart to you today. But Lord, I pray the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And if you saw the outline, you see there's four points here and a three to-dos, I believe. So we're going to look at those here in a second. Uh, but let's start here as we think about the story of Joseph and the first thing that we see as we look at this life of Joseph, the story of Joseph, we see success in the distress. Success in the distress. So we see that Joseph's life now, Potiphar's place, is a life of distress. It's a mess is what it is. And so let's look again at verses 1 through 3. It says, Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. Remember, he had been sold into slavery from his brothers as he'd been in that pit. They pulled him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites, and now they, the Ishmaelites are now bringing him to Potiphar, and who brought him down there. The Lord, verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. He was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. Now, just think about where Joseph was and who Joseph is. Remember that Joseph is Jacob's favorite son. And J Joseph, all his life, had been J Jacob's favorite son, so he'd had things handed to him as the favorite son in the family. 
Remember, this is the boy that the father, Jacob, had given to Joseph the, the robe of many colors that distinguished him as different from the rest, that he was indeed the favorite and had the high hopes of taking the family to higher uh, ground or, or taking him to the next level uh, and certainly having uh, the headship of the brothers. And as, as this brother, he didn't have to go out into the fields as much as his brothers did. And he had this dream that his brothers and others would bow down to him. But now we come to this passage of Scripture in chapter 39. And what do we see here? But that Joseph is not having those things happen to him now. But now look where he is. He is a servant to an Egyptian who's an idol worship, not even a follower of God. And it tells us here in this passage of Scripture that Joseph had been bought and that he had been brought. So it's against his will, bought at a price, and brought down to this person who owns him now. But yet we find also in this passage of Scripture, not only do we see that in the, as we think about the life of Joseph, but we also see in this passage, like in verse 3 it tells us, and he became a successful man. And again in verse 3, the Lord caused all he did to succeed. Now, the Bible tells us that Joseph was a success in Potiphar's place. Now, if you're Joseph and you're living in Potiphar's place and somebody say, was to go to Joseph and say, man, Joseph, you are a real success. Do you think he'd believe it right then? No. See, Joseph may not have felt like this was success and maybe, beloved, that's where some of you are as well. You look at your life and you say, my life is just not a success. My situation is just not a success. But can I share something with you this morning? Is this, as we learn from the life of Joseph, is that success doesn't always look like what we think it should. Come on now. Success doesn't always look like what we think it should. We think that success is having that job. We think that success is having that spouse. We think that success is having that car. We think that having success is having that home or getting that degree or getting that position or getting that recognition. But what we need to understand, and listen, what we need to understand about success, friends, is that you don't get to define the terms of success. God does. God defines the terms of, of success. And so he defines the terms of Joseph's success here in the word of God. And we see two things that I think God defines as successful as Joseph is success, has a success. Number one, the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. So four times we see in our passage, verse 2, verse 3, verse 21, verse 23, four times we see these words, the Lord was with him. The Lord was with Joseph. And so what happens is we come to this story with fresh eyes. We look at the story of Joseph being in Potiphar's place, and maybe we think that Joseph has been abandoned by the Lord because of the terrible things that he's enduring. Or, we, or it must mean, if that's not the case, it must mean that God then is displeased with Joseph and is letting him just deal with his circumstances. But understand this, friends, listen, that difficulties don't necessarily mean that God is displeased with us or that he is absent. 
Joseph is in Potiphar's place. He's away from home. His freedom is gone. He's separated from his family. He's not even sure he wants to go back uh, there anyway because of the way his brothers have treated him. They have betrayed him. And yet the Bible tells us that the Lord was with him. And so this is one of those terms of success. That no, Now listen, that no matter what station you are in in life, to know that the Lord is with us, friends, that is success. You say, well, Pastor, I'm just not so sure about that. Okay, well, let's look at it this way. What if, if somehow, someway, I were to be able to offer to you, what if I were to offer to you that job that you wanted? or that position of power that you desire, or if I was somehow able to give you all of those accolades and all of those honors, but then I would say to you, you can have all of these things, but the Lord will not be with you. Would you still want those things? And if you were to say, well, yes, I'd still want those things. Well, then that says more about your relationship to Jesus than how success is defined. You see, Jesus said it this way, Mark 8, 36, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? So I look at it this, friends, this way, that if success is stuff, you can keep it and just give me Jesus, amen? To know that he is with me, that is success. But not only do we see that the Lord is with Joseph, and that is success. But there's a second part there, and that is that the Lord was working through Joseph and in Joseph. So maybe we look at the story and we think, okay, sure, I mean, God's everywhere. So sure, God is with Joseph, but he's not doing anything to help him here, Pastor. I mean, he's not really helping him at all. Well, that's not what the Bible says. And it's not what the Bible shows. In verse 3, it tells us that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. The Lord caused it. You see that? In verse 23, the latter part of that verse, it says that whatever he did, whatever Joseph did, the Lord made it succeed. And so there was success in Joseph's distress and his difficulty and, and being displaced and certainly feeling all alone. There was success in that because the Lord was actively involved in Jacob's life. And so he enabled Joseph, uh, Joseph's life. He enabled Joseph. He strengthened Joseph. He guided him and he blessed him. And so the Lord is the one who made it succeed. And the Lord was at work through and in Joseph. He was in Potiphar's place. He was in the pit and he will be in the prison and he'll be in a lot of pressures in order to be molded and shaped and to be used of the Lord for his plan. The Lord was at work on Joseph and in Joseph and through Joseph. The psalmist says in Psalm 105, some years later, looking back, it said, when he summoned, when the Lord summoned a famine on the land and broke all supply of bread, he had sent a man ahead of them, Joseph who was sold as a slave. His feet were hurt with fetters. His neck was put in a collar of iron until what he said came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people set him free. He made him Lord of his house and ruler of all of his possessions to bind his princes at his pleasure and to teach his elders wisdom. And so what the Lord was doing in the life of Joseph, even though it may not have felt like success in that moment, 
He was successful because the Lord was with him and he was working on him and in him and through him. He is shaping him and molding him and transforming him to be the man that God will use. And beloved, that may be right where you are right now. Maybe look, you're looking at your life and you feel like you're in Potiphar's place and it does not feel like success. But what I'd say to you is this, is to be faithful and trust the Lord because he's working. Amen? He is working on you and in you and through you. And he is with you. And that is success. So we see here success in the distress, but then the second thing we see in the life of Joseph here is witness in the business. Witness in the business. So look at verses four through six. So Joseph found favor in his sight, in Potiphar's sight, and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house. So Potiphar put him in charge of all that he had from the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for, for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. And so he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. And so we think of who Joseph is and we think about his background and where he is right now, and where he came from and what, what he's doing now. And we think, now, let me tell you something. If I were Joseph and I were in this situation I wouldn't go work for this fellow. Why, why would I want to put, I would certainly wouldn't give it my all. I would just sort of get by as the least that I possibly can. I wouldn't feel like working for him, much less taking care of all of his stuff for him. But that's not what the Bible says about Joseph. The Bible tells us that Joseph found favor with Potiphar and that he attended him. Now, the word attended means that he assisted or he served or he helped or he ministered to him. And so God gave Joseph the skills, the abilities, the knowledge to, to use. And Joseph then was faithful to work in this place at this time. Now, as we think about Joseph here, Joseph, it wasn't what he thought he should be doing or wanted to be doing. But he was walking with the Lord and he was a man of integrity and a man of character and he was faithful in his work and the Lord blessed it and the Egyptians house. Now you think about this for a moment. While his brothers, while Joseph's brothers were back home enjoying food at their father's table and they're free. Here he is a servant to a military leader of Egypt of, of a, in a group of idolatrous people. And so what do we see Joseph doing? He is faithful as one of God's people to press on and to be diligent. He doesn't sulk in despair. He strives in the difficulties. He doesn't gripe because of his sorrows. He grows in his situation. He was in a place of weakness, and God is glorified through him because God used him in his weakness. You say, well, Pastor, that's exactly where I am today. I am in my weakest moment right now. I just feel weak. You know what I got to say? Great. Because now God can use you. Amen. Pastor, I just don't feel like anything. Wonderful. Now God's got you right where he wants you. And he can use you for his glory. 
The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 and following, watch this, for consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Joseph obviously had some issues with some arrogance earlier on. You remember when he was talking to his brothers back home? God's working on that. He's bringing him to that place of weakness that he will use him and God will receive all the glory. Beloved, maybe some of us are in that same place. We're so full of pride and arrogant, God's going to bring us down to where we need to be weak so that he can shape us and mold us and change us to be the people he wants us to be so that he gets the glory and we don't beat our chest boasting about what we have done. Amen? God's going to take, so what's going to happen is God's going to take this nomadic boy from a shepherd family and eventually bring him from Potiphar's place to Pharaoh's palace. But Joseph doesn't know that. I mean, we know that because we read ahead. Joseph doesn't know that, Right? He didn't know what's going to happen. And so Joseph is, in the, is being faithful in the right now. He's not being faithful because he knows the end of the story. No, he's being faithful because he's walking with the Lord. Amen? And so, friends, we don't know the end of our story. We don't know how things are going to work out. But we know we need to be faithful right now. Amen? Walk with him. You do that same. Walk with the Lord. Let all of, listen, let all of your business, let all of your business be a witness to who you belong to and who you follow. Be a man or woman of integrity, character, diligence, faithfulness in your relationships, in your work, in your wherever you are. Let that be who you are. So we see the third thing here. We see success in the distress. We see witness in the business and we see resistance in the persistence. We see resistance in the persistence. Now, there's more to the story now as we move along in this passage of Scripture from Potiphar's place. Pick up again in the middle of verse 6. It says, Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. And so he's a young man. He's handsome. He's good looking. And, and his, Potiphar's wife is asking Joseph to come to bed with her. That's what's happening here. Now, this is quite the temptation that Joseph is facing. Remember, Joseph is a young man, 17, 18, around this time, maybe. He's a red-blooded young man, and he's away from his daddy, and he's facing trials in life. I mean, this is a recipe for the adversary to throw the temptation, isn't it? I mean, that's exactly what happens when facing the difficulties in life and we're in those places that are like Potiphar's place where we feel alone and we feel distressed and we feel displaced and we feel like everybody's against us and deserted. The devil loves to sneak in and attempt to thwart the plan of God and destroy your witness. And so that's what takes place here where Joseph is tempted. You say, well, I thought you said God was, was giving, putting him through some trials here. Well, understand, there's a difference between trials and temptations, okay? So let's just think about that for just a second, okay? Let's do that. So if we think about trials, there's a difference between trials and temptations. Trials are there to shape us. Temptations are there to hurt us. 
Can I get a witness? Amen? Trials come from our advocate to make us more like him. But temptations come from the adversary to destroy our witness. Trials are likely part of the plan of God. But temptations are part of the plot of the enemy. And so temptations are come at us as people of the Lord. Temptations come at us to destroy our witness. The temptations come, and especially at these vulnerable times of our lives. But what we need to understand is that what we see here and what we know is that temptation is not a part-time experience for the child of God. We're consistently tempted by the devil. And the more you walk with the Lord, the more the devil's not going to like that, and he's going to try to tempt you. And we see that here in verse 10, where it says, And she spoke to Joseph day after day. Day after day. And he would not listen to her, to lie beside her, or to be with her. Day after day after day. Here's this woman who wants Joseph to come to bed with her. And day after day, this red-blooded young man who's away from his daddy, who's still facing the trials, is saying no. There's resistance to the persistence. Look at what he does in verses 8 and 9. But he refused. And he said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. He's put everything that he has in my charge. He's not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept anything back from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And so Joseph, who is a child of God, who is walking with the Lord, has a proper view of what is taking place as he is being tempted. He has a proper view of loyalty, where he knows he's loyal to the Lord and he's loyal to his neighbor, Potiphar. He he had a proper view of marriage where he recognizes that that Mrs. Potiphar is Potiphar's wife and that that he is her husband and Joseph isn't her husband. But he also had a proper view of sin, that sin is wickedness. And not only is it wickedness, it is sin against God. And beloved, just so you know, all sin is sin against God. David said it in Psalm 51, says, Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So he recognizes what's taking place as he's walking with the Lord. But nevertheless, Ms. Potiphar is not happy with that. And she doesn't accept no for an answer. So we come back to a passage in verse 11. It says, but one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house were there in the house and likely she dismissed them so that she could have him there in the house by herself. She caught him by his garment and she said, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and he fled and he got out of the house. So what we see here is that Joseph runs from this temptation. Now we have to wonder how in the world was Joseph able to run. He is a young man away from his daddy in the midst of trials. This temptation comes that this woman is inviting him to come to bed with him. How does he run? How is he able to run? Well, let me tell you this. You can mark it down. When you walk with the Lord, you're enabled to run from temptation. Amen? When you walk with the Lord you are enabled to run from temptation. But we must walk with the Lord. It is the Lord who strengthens us. It is the Lord who enables us. It is the Lord who helps us. The Lord who helps us to see clearly when the temptation comes. There's resistance in the persistence. 
So we see the success and the distress, the witness and the business, the resistance and the persistence. And then finally, we see this, the perplexity and the adversity. Now, Joseph, now what we see in the story, Joseph did the right thing. He ran from this woman. He got out of there as quick as he could. And so what we think, if we not read the story ahead, we come to this passage and say, great, he's out of there. He did the right thing. And so now the Lord is going to reward his faithfulness. He's going to reward him and let him go back home. He's no longer going to be that servant, and it's all going to be good because he did what was right. But what we find is that is not what happened. So we tell, we tell the story here. I'm not going to read all those passages of Scripture there, but we see in verses 13 through 20 that he leaves behind his garment when he, when he runs. And because he leaves behind his garment, then she uses it then as fake proof that he was going to be there to lie with her, to rape her. And she tells the servants of the house what has taken place. And then when Mr. Potiphar gets home, she tells Mr. Potiphar, and he has him arrested and then thrown into prison. But in our minds, we think, man, if there was ever a time that his right right action should have been rewarded, now is that time. But that's not what happens. And so he is in prison for doing what is right. Have you ever been in a place like that? Where you did the right thing? but it came around to bite you? That happens sometimes. Joseph did the right thing, boy, and it got him. He was thrown into prison. So as we think about these things in our own lives, as we look at the life of Joseph, we have to say, man, that just is perplexing. This, I don't understand this. It makes us scratch our heads. Say, Lord, what in the world? Where were you? Why did this happen? Why did this bad thing happen to a good person who did what was right? We don't have all the answers in our own lives, but we can see some of what took place here in Joseph. And we come to verse 21, and we read these words, But the Lord was with Joseph, and he showed him steadfast love, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. I mean, how many of us have ever been in that place where we scratched scratched our heads and said, Lord, I I don't know where you are. I don't know why it happened this way. I did what I was right. I I stayed true to your word. I was faithful to what you wanted me to do. But Lord, now I'm, I'm paying for it. And the Lord may not give us an answer right now, but friends, we can always come back to this to understand that the Lord was with Joseph and he will be with you. And he may not give you the answers, but he will show his steadfast love. What a God we serve. Amen. What a God we serve. It tells us here that God showed him steadfast love. We talked about that word. It's the word hesed in Hebrew. We talked about it when we were going through the book of Joel just a few uh, months ago. And, and that word, if you remember, it means grace in the short term, but also you pull that out a little bit further. It means it is God-initiated love. It is God-initiated grace and mercy. And so Potiphar here, as we see what's taking place here, that the Lord was with Joseph in, not only in Potiphar's place, he's now with him in the prison and showing him steadfast love. What we understand is that whether it's Potiphar's place or the prison, we know that since the Lord is with us, these are places of grace. They're places of grace. Wherever you are in your life, friend, if it's a Potiphar's place or whatever, it's a place of grace because God is there. 
And that's who our God is. And that's, that's what he shows. And that's where, where this is going. As we look at the life of Joseph, this is where this is going. That the, the plan of redemption is in place. And God's going to use Joseph. And his people will be, God's people will be saved in the famine through Joseph being in the place here as we get down the road of peace. And then we'll know that ultimately many will be saved by the Messiah who is coming as well. We have to look at the big picture. So say, Pastor, I just, I'm just perplexed at how to see the grace of God in Potiphar's place and see the grace of God in, in this prison. But beloved, the grace of God is seen, not looking at the right now, but looking at the big picture of what God is doing. And then ultimately, if you say, well, I'm just not sure that God is a God of grace. I'm not sure that he does that. Well, then I would point you to another place where we ultimately see this God-initiated love, this God-initiated grace that finds its fulfillment in these words. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is the ultimate of God's initiated love and grace for us, that he is a God of grace. And he has shown that to you through Jesus. You never have to wonder about the grace of God. He has shown it to you. So now as we look at this story, Joseph is now in prison, but God's still at work. And so what we do know is that God is going to use all of these actions, even these evil actions, for his good. And so Joseph is getting closer to meeting the Pharaoh and getting the position that will allow him to provide food for the people of God. And from these people, the Messiah Jesus will ultimately come. You say, well, I don't know, Pastor. It just doesn't seem fair to me. I mean, you look at the life of Joseph. I mean, he did what was right, and he's in, he's, I mean, God already said what he's going to do, but it just doesn't seem fair that he has to deal with this. I, mean, I get that. I mean, maybe you've done what was right but got hurt by it, and God didn't show up like you thought he should. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you think, do you think that at the end of Joseph's life, that he looked back and he said, God, I trusted you, and you were not fair to me. No, I don't think he said that at all, because the Lord had been with him. He had worked on him, worked in him, worked through him, and used him for the glory of God. It was a part of God's perfect plan, and beloved, it was fair. Can we always see that in our lives when we're going through the difficulties? When we do what's right, but then it comes back to get us on the back end of it, and we're not sure how this is going to work out. We don't see how this is going to happen and how the Lord's going to bring us through this. We can't always see what God's doing, but one day we will. One day we will. We trust the heart of God who is gracious and merciful, and we think about fairness. There's a lot of talk about fairness. I mean, what is fair? Fair. So if something's fair, that means you get what you deserve, right? Fair is getting what we deserve. So what do we deserve? Well, in the sight of holy God, what we deserve as sinners is we deserve death. We deserve wrath. We deserve loss. We deserve separation. So God, who is fair, he gave us what we deserve. But then he took that upon himself for us through Jesus on the cross. And so he who did no wrong took our penalty for our wrongdoing. So you're talking about fair. Let's talk about fair, amen? I mean, the Bible says, for our sake, 2 Corinthians 5, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin 
so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Fair. May I ask you, was it fair for Jesus who knew no sin to become sin for us? Was it fair for the perfect Son of God to bear our griefs and to carry our sorrows? Was it fair for Emmanuel, God with us, to be pierced for our transgressions and to be crushed for our iniquities? Was it fair for the Creator to be nailed upon a tree that He created? Was it fair for Him who knew every person around the cross before they were even, bo even born to endure their taunting and their mocking and their cruelty? Was it fair? Was it fair for the Lamb of God, the true shepherd, to be slaughtered by the sheep? Was it fair? You, even the thief on the cross recognized Jesus did not deserve this, and it doesn't seem fair. But what is it then? It's grace. Amen? It's grace. And to know that he did this for you and for me. Amen? We see in Joseph the success and the distress, the witness and the business, the resistance and the persistence, the perplexity and adversity. But may we walk away with this, that whether you are in a place that you would consider to be Potiphar's place or you're in a place that you would consider to be as Pharaoh's palace, beloved, you need to know that as, as you belong to the Lord, that place is a place of grace. Amen? And he is with you. He's working on you. He's working in you. He's working through you a place of grace. As we think about the life of Joseph, we need to understand and remember that, it, that we're not asking as we read this passage of scripture, we're not looking at it and say, okay, how can I be, how can I well up within me my inner Joseph and be like Joseph? No, I'm telling you that we're already like Joseph and we need Jesus to help us to live this life. Amen. And so here are three things to do. Number one, remember the Lord is with you and is working his perfect plan. Remember the Lord is with you and he is working his perfect plan. So no matter what you're going through in life, the Lord is with you and is working his perfect plan. Secondly, trust the heart of God when you can't understand his hand. Trust the heart of God when you can't understand the hand of God. There are times when things are happening in our lives and we can't, say, we can't understand, God, what are you doing? And we don't understand what his hand is doing. And when that's the case, we simply trust the heart of God to know that he is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He knows what he's doing. Amen? Trust the heart of God when you can't understand the hand of God. And then thirdly, Overcome temptation by walking closely with the Lord. Temptations are going to come. Walk close to the Lord. When you're walking in the light, it's hard to be walking in the darkness. Amen? If you don't know the Lord Jesus today, know that he is the answer. He has fixed our brokenness. He walks with us. He talks with us. He guides us. He directs us. He enables us. But you need to know him as Lord and Savior. If you don't know the Lord Jesus, turn to him today and believe in that he's the Son of God who died on the cross, who rose again bodily from the grave, and he calls himself to you, calls you to himself. That's what he does. He calls you to himself to come to him. Will you come to him today? For those of us who are believers in Jesus, may we follow him and know that he is there. Let's pray. Father, 
May you have your way in our hearts and lives. May you guide us. May you direct us. May you help us now, Lord, as we think about what Joseph was dealing with in Potiphar's place and how we can apply that to our own hearts and lives as we know that it's because you were with him and you were in him and you were working through him and on him that he was successful, that he had a witness in his business, that all that he did brought you glory and honor. He was a weak vessel, that he resisted the temptation because you were there to help him as he walked with you. And, and even though he did not understand and we don't understand the things we're going through, to know the Lord that you are with us and that you extend this steadfast love toward us. Lord, let us not lose sight of who you are and what you've done and that you are there. Have your way in us as we make the decisions of commitment today to follow you all of our days. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're gonna have a moment of response.